Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kill Your Yo-Yo, the podcast dedicated to yo-yo theory, yo-yo improvisation, and yo-yo performance brought to you by Illings Toys. I am your host, Ross Levine, and today we have an awesome guest. It is Brandon Vu. You know him as the yo-yo YouTuber. He has gone viral in a way that few other have been able to on YouTube, and there's a reason that he's been able to, and we're going to go over that reason. He's going to teach you how to create a character that appeals to the masses, how to find a niche and then serve that niche so that you're not just throwing your message out into the darkness hoping that it lands, uh, as well as a specific formula. Brandon's going to teach you the formula that he uses to go viral. Uh, finally, we'll just co cover in general like how to make yo-yo content that appeals to the masses and not just to yo-yo people. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about something. Because I have partnered with CLIW, Yo-Yo Factory, Dressel Designs, OneDrop, Good Life, Thesis, Laidback, Oh Yes Yo, 19 companies in total. So more than just those, 19 in total, we are going to give away over $1,500 in yo-yos. Um, and there's a reason. It's Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Uh, this is something that I've been working on for three months with a team comprised of not just these people, but uh, Talia Jameson, Kaylinity Throws, Josh Yee, Aaliyah Tan, Carter Tanny, and Ume, and there are more people, but some people are still in the closet, some people are just not comfortable having their name out there or associated with something like this because it's just how it is. Um, but... We're all a bunch of queer yo-yoers and we wanted to do something special for Pride Month and this is what it is. We are doing a charity giveaway. So the way that you can sign up is by donating to a charity called The Trevor Project. They are a suicide hotline for queer youth and you can find all the information for how to enter on a page that we created together called Yo-Yo Crew. That's Y-O-Y-O underscore Q-R-E-W. The rules are in the story highlights and you can just scroll through the posts and see who we are, what we're doing, why this exists. Uh, you can also donate to the fundraiser anywhere that you see it on Instagram. You can also sign up to, to get the, that fundraiser added to your bio. So go and donate to that fundraiser and PM me any questions that you have at Illinks Toys uh, on Instagram. But without any further ado, I bring you Brandon Vu. Enjoy. Hey, Brandon. Ross, man, it's, it's uh, sick to be here, dude. It's so sick to have you on. Oh, my God. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, man, I've been looking forward to this, too. So, like, I love the whole podcast format thing. So, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm keen to go as, as deep as you want to go. And, uh, yeah, man, like, ready to kind of, like, tackle this and have a thoughtful conversation or a humorous one either way. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll see. Maybe a little bit of both. Um, that's, we, we like to keep it, you know, nice and stress-free around here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> so cool. Dude. It's so cool to have you. Um, I, I feel like to some degree, right. Not to the, I am not at all. I am not saying I am at your level, but I think to a to some degree, we're both creating content for the yo-yo world. Um, however, the difference is, it seems like you're going more on like this, this mass, you know, out to the real people, and I'm trying to stay in, going inwards to the to the other yo-yoers. And it's so cool to to have you on. Just I, I feel like there's a lot that we can talk about about that, and 
you know, how. Yeah, how yeah, for sure, man. Are. And I think like, what I will say is that like, I think the yo-yo community in general needs more content creators. Um, there are so many gaps in the yo-yo community with regards to content. And I don't know, because I was always, I, I consume a lot of content um, and I, it, it's always been obvious to me, like where some of the gaps are, but like that being said, man, like I spent like probably the first, uh, you know, like five or six years of like my yo-yoing journey, like really making like hardcore yo-yo content. So like stuff like unboxings and reviews and really obscure, like advanced tutorials. Um, so like, I totally get where you're coming from, man. And like, it's great. We need more of that because like, no one really caters to like the hardcore of the hardcore um, yo-yo people as much as they probably should be catered to. So it's an exciting time. And I think like the more people who make content in this world, the better. So that's interesting that you say that because I think there are people which cater to the beginner yo-yoers and that was yo-yo expert with expert mm -hmm. village turning into yo-yo expert and then now yo tricks more so. Uh, mm -hmm. But then past that, there's you know every company seems to have their tutorial series like cabin tutorials mm -hmm. and scales was doing it or sf was one of them i <laughs> one of them was doing a, a series so i think it does exist but uh sort of a difference is and and something to bring in from another community which you know i always love talking about that is in mm. the magic world um for example this morning i was talking to one of my favorite uh coin magicians danny goldsmith and he's like he's just one guy and solo, he creates tutorials that show like his perspective on coin magic. And mm. that happens all the time. There's all these magicians that just like make their own series and maybe they work with a company to do it. But I think that happens a lot less in the yo-yo world, maybe occasionally with yo tricks doing their series with like Gentry Stein or mm. um, I know Chris Chun did some foray with them. So mm -hmm. I think it does happen, but I do agree. It should be happening a lot more. Yeah, well, I think like it with, with the yo-yo world, uh, the, sometimes the content creators aren't necessarily the players that are like tearing it up in the competitive scene. So I remember like um, when I was first kind of like trying to figure out as like a young kid, probably like, I don't know, 14, 15, uh, who was, who did consider himself a competitive yo-yo player. And I was like, all right, how do I add value to this community? How do I add value in a way that like, not like no one is quite doing yet. And what I found was that I was in this weird middle ground between, I wasn't the most competitive yo-yo player. So I wasn't like a world champion or anything, but I was like decent. Like I was like a national champion at the time. Um, and I also kind of had an affinity to like make YouTube videos and like talk in front of a camera about like really nerdy topics like yo-yos. Mm -hmm. So like my initial idea for like content creation was like, well, what if there was like a semi-competitive yo-yo player that just talked in front of the camera and kind of gave like a bit more of a conversational tone to a lot of the yo-yo videos. And that was kind of how I, I kind of slotted myself into like the content genres because Back in like 2000 and uh, I want to say like 2013, 2014, you had like trick tutorials, which were like how to do the trick. And then you had 
these like trick videos where like people would just like flex on other yo-yo players and showcase their best tricks. But you didn't really have anyone like talking about yo-yos or you didn't have anyone talking about the nuances of yo-yos. Uh, like, you know, how do you wash your hands before a contest? How do you, you know, get this one simple string hack? And that's kind of where I wanted to like slide in initially. And then that, that divulged into like yo-yo reviews and that, that was fun until it wasn't, but that's, <laughs> that's kind of how I, I, I think about like, um, the whole content thing. And with regards to your, like your, your thoughts on, um, yo-yo players not putting out like personalized content mm -hmm. no absolutely i think there's a a lot of i think there's a lot of room for for like yo-yo theory i mean that's that's one of the things in this podcast in the intro i'm always saying it's it's yo-yo theory yo-yo improvisation and yo-yo performance and so that theory part is like there's so much cool stuff of like little so it, it's neat that that's where you got your start um and I do want to talk about your transition into sort of doing more outside of the community. But before I do that, I do mm -hmm. want to start just with like how you got started in yo-yoing, where, what, what was the first time that you saw a yo-yo and, and what brought you into the community? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. We can talk about that. So, uh, so um, basically like my dad was kind of like into yo-yoing um, and he wasn't in, into yo-yoing in like that traditional sense, like rock the baby around the world like oh, he was yeah. kind of like a badass in his day and that had always kind of been my dad's thing and when I was like younger he'd have you I knew he could play with the yo-yo to some certain degree and it just seemed like a really cool thing but I was like young and I wasn't really I didn't have the hand-eye coordination to actually you know pull it off so then where I normally begin the story is that uh in 2000 and I think it was 2009 my cousin had like a yo-yo on his desk and yo-yos had always been this cool thing to me but I never really got into it so um I I saw the yo-yo on his desk and I picked it up and I started playing with it and I had like a really fun time and I was like hey this is kind of cool because I was just old enough I was probably like 12 where I could kind of like all of it was starting to click all the things my dad did I was kind of like old enough to kind of replicate then and previously I had been really into like speed cubing. Um, and I had realized that speed cubing, uh, there's like this, like solving the cube is just the beginning, right? Then you like find out really advanced algorithms, you find out how to like solve it really fast. And I just knew that like, okay, I've got like walk the dog around the world, rock the baby. Surely there is like a set of yo-yo nerds somewhere that have taken this to like some crazy degree. Yeah. So I went onto YouTube and I typed in like yo-yo competitions and I saw like all of these competition montages of like these crazy, insane, unresponsive yo-yo tricks. And that was where I was like, okay, I got hooked. I went on to like, I, I bought myself like, oh, I got my parents to buy me a yo-yo. Mm -hmm. And and that's really what how I got first yo-yo. Um, my first yo-yo was a yo-yo jam legacy. Okay. Um I'm not, not even bad. sure. Like it, it's it's interesting. Like that yo-yo, it was like a it was like the plastic version of the dark magic. Um, and uh it's interesting when I used to say that people were like, oh yeah, I know what that yo-yo is. And now as I've gotten kind of older, people are like, what's that? And I'm like, oh damn, <laughs> really aging in this community. 
<laughs> Soon you're gonna say, "Oh yeah, it was a yo-yo jam," and people are gonna go, "What on earth?" <laughs> What's yo-yo jam? Oh yeah. man, yeah, God. You mean yo-yo factory, right? <laughs> oh, oh god, dude, uh, I'm getting to that age, man. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. So, uh. It, and it's, it's funny that you got started with your dad doing yo-yo tricks and now he's been in a couple of your your videos that you've put out yeah yeah that's that's interesting right so like yeah the reason i'm able to put him into those videos is because he's got some decent yo-yoing ability right so yeah. we can kind of like riff off each other that's so funny it, it's also similar like i started juggling with my mom because she learned mm. from her friend and <laughs> so like i was like she was like, oh, yeah, you always want to practice over a couch so that you don't ever drop them too far and you can just go grab them. And then I learn it. And then, like, I've progressed to, to <laughs> such a – like, I'm juggling, like, seven balls. And she's like, I, I forget how to even juggle three. Yeah. So I, I, love, I love when our parents teach us something and then you just kind of blow them out of the water. Yeah, yeah. Well, for <laughs> me, it was never an idea of, like, surpassing my – ah, well, but I, I feel <laughs> it's like – you know, actually, it's funny. Uh, my dad and I used to have like these impromptu yo-yo contests with like my oh. brother and I, and we do these things where like we we would try to like compete who could do the most loops, who could do the most like around the world, who could do the most rock the babies, and um, it would get pretty competitive, man. But um, <laughs> you know, I was just so impassioned with yo-yoing when I was like a young kid that like you quickly start to surpass like their level of proficiency. <laughs> yeah. And there is something that you've that, that I think we've sort of just tiny bit touched on twice now is that like you were so young at a point that you just didn't have the hand-eye coordination to do what you needed to do. I think that's an important thing, especially if there's any like beginners listening of like mm -hmm. and or especially like really, really young kids listening. Yo-yoing is uh, very hard and <laughs> you're just not going to be able to do some stuff until you're you've developed certain muscles um i i don't know if that really gets said enough that like yeah you'll I, you will be capable of anything eventually <laughs> but it's not necessarily true immediately and things always take way more time than they seem mm, yeah no and I, I honestly think it's more fun once you get to a certain age that being said man like there are some like i can think of some really young like Oh, Japanese yeah. kids that would like absolutely throttle me at like my ripe old oh, age of 25 right now but yeah. <laughs> the point of the matter is is that like for me particularly um yo-yoing didn't wasn't really like I wasn't able to really get a lot of it until I was probably about like 12 yeah. um and that that's when it started becoming kind of like fun the the level of difficulty to like what I could achieve was kind of at that like mix where you're like, Hey, this is, this is fun. I like to progress in this. Yeah. That's uh, I actually have a episode recorded that I'm going to post about uh, flow states. And it's like, right. When you're, when your ability matches what the, the difficulty of what you're doing is when you can hit that flow. And that's, yeah. I mean, what, once you're over the hump of the learning curve, that's really what it is. Yeah. And then you start yeah. building your own learning curves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, no, I, that's, oh, that, that's that point that we all wish we could go back to and just live there <laughs> <laughs> when it first all clicks. Mm. Oh man. So, so um, what, who were your major inspirations back when you were, when you switched after you started like really getting it um, and, and now you're like doing yo-yo, who were you looking up to? Yeah. So, um, uh, so 
So I start yo-yoing like 2009. This is probably where the competitive yo-yoing starts or the professional yo-yoing, professional, uh, like modern day yo-yoing begins like with like unresponsible bearings and like string tricks. So uh, at the time I was like probably the biggest Hiroyuki Suzuki fanboy. Yeah. Um, and I still am to this day. Um, he's the one yo-yo player that like every time I see in public he's kind of like he's the guy that like makes me feel starstruck and really small and like a fanboy um so there's that uh and then there were also like other players like eric koloski was was a really big player of mine grant johnson i'm not sure if a lot of people still know him but oh my god he was he just talk on grant johnson for a second yeah yeah like let's He's yeah, I was like a, a low-key legend. He, no one knows, very few people know about him anymore. But like one of the best two A players and one of the most amazing one A players in the world. Um, the oh god, the theory video, the Yo-Yo Jam theory video. It mm. has um, I think Grant Johnson, Yoshi Mikamoto, and a third person. I mm. want to say Brian Figueroa, but I could be totally wrong it's, there. Uh, ben Condi. Ben, ben Condi. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They all hang out together, that whole group. Yeah, um, yeah. That video is so good. And if you just look up Grant Johnson's videos, he has some of the most like revolutionary, way behind, way ahead of his time, yeah. 1A for like a time when no one was doing anything like that. Yeah. And it's interesting, man. Like what a lot of people don't understand about Grant Johnson is that he was the OG, OG, OG yo-yo youtuber um really a lot of people like kind of look to kind of like characters like me as like the og youtuber but no 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 like i i grew up watching grant johnson videos and that was where i was kind of like oh this is really cool and like his stronger video uh he, he did like a yo-yo video where like it's just a trick montage and he does a lot like that was probably one of the first yo-yo videos to hit a million views on youtube back in like 2000 and nine or whatever so like grant johnson was hugely formative um in in my kind of like yo-yo aspirations and and the reason why like uh, i look up to him so much was because he was one of the players that posted a lot on youtube and like as an australian kid disconnected physically from the scene that was all i could kind of like uh that, that was all i could see basically so yeah, yeah. Basically, all, all like the Yo-Yo Jam players. Yo-Yo Jam players are like my thing. Like the reason, um, the reason I started with the Yo-Yo Jam Legacy. Well, I I got it because it was like the cheapest, unresponsive Yo-Yo Jam had. But the reason um, I liked that Yo-Yo so much was because Grant Johnson used it as his competition Yo-Yo. So mm. <laughs> there's also that. That's cool. It almost seems like uh, like Yo-Yo Jam picked up on the first YouTube bump. And that's mm. kind of what propelled them so much and probably got them so much of their success. And then as that fizzled out and Yo-Yo Factory stepped in, they've been able to kind of pick up where they left off. And now yeah. they're picking up on the TikTok bump and this, like, all the, yeah. all the, all the yeah. next stuff. No, that, that's actually a really interesting way of putting it, man. I, I never connected the dots like that, but I think you're right. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about. Some, I don't, I don't know what macroeconomics is, but maybe it's that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, and a fun fact. I'm pretty sure Grant Johnson was in Mommy and Me classes with my brother when they were toddlers. 
Oh, so there's just a fun uh, little like okay, bit of something. I'll yeah. confirm that with my mom, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, you <laughs> little thing. Um, growing up in Australia, you were just mentioning uh, you really only had YouTube to like as the the scene, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I. So it's interesting. I never really, so the way I found the world of competitive yo-yoing was kind of putting two and two together. So I had come from the cubing world and I was like, all right, there's just because like, I know that online there are people who are like way better at like solving this cube than I am. And there's like, there's like some sort of sub niche of like hardcore cubers. So when I got into yo-yoing, I just intuitively knew that like, there's more to this than like walk the dog and around the world. So like when I went online, I, I found all of these videos and I was like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. And that's how I connected myself to the yo-yo community. And I was yo-yoing in complete isolation for like physical isolation for like two years. Um, and all I would do was I would like go on YouTube and like look at all of these like yo-yo videos. So like, there were like like YouTubers, yo-yo YouTubers, like the OG yo-yo YouTubers, like Josh Yee, um, oh. Jeffrey Pang, um, Grant Johnson, like yo-yo expert, like, um, gosh, I, like all of those those uh, people who were posting content were uh, like Alexis JV. All of these people who were posting content was what I would consume, and it just seemed like that was what yo-yo players did and once you got to a certain level you did that so once I got to a level where I mastered a few tricks and I started gaining insights on my own I just felt obligated to like share it because that was how I learned the majority of what I've learned and if if it wasn't for the internet um, I wouldn't have got into competitive yo-yoing nearly as quickly uh, as I did. That's awesome so so what uh what made you stick with yo-yoing over cubing it seems like you're kind of juggling both at the same time for a little there dude that's a good question actually um it's interesting uh oh i've never been asked that i think um (laughs) yeah that's a good question i think with cubing um well i think with cubing you can only get that there's less creativity involved so it's Mm. kind of like algorithmic and you kind of just have to like practice the same um thing over and over again but if i was to give you like a genuinely honest answer i never competed in the cubing world so i kind of just and my times are like really bad so like i'm not i'm not like a cuber by any sense of the means but uh i remember what consolidated my love for yo-yoing was that i competed in the australian national yo-yo championships so I realized that, okay, just because there aren't Australian yo-yoers around me doesn't mean there aren't Australian yo-yoers. So I, uh, I discover that there's an Australian contest. My dad and I fly down to like Adelaide, which is like a one hour flight from where I live from like Sydney. I go in and I, I compete. I have a blast. I pretend to be Hiroyuki Suzuki and Christopher Cheer and all of my yo-yo idols that I looked up to at the time. And I got like my ass handed to me, right? So I came in like fifth out of like 12 people. But the the point of it was, was that it That's was- not so, that bad. 
Well, I mean, like, I, I was coming in, like, so young, so uh-huh. arrogant, so, like, I'm going to win this thing, and, like, like... I gotcha, I gotcha. And so, like, when I got fifth, I was, like, low-key devastating because I'm a very, like, competitive person at heart. But the, the point of the matter was is that, like, once I came there and I was just like, oh, man, I, I connected with people who yo-yoed as well. Um, and it was something that I really enjoyed. And it felt as if even though I lost that year, something that I could have, you know, a little bit of potential in, it kind of just fed all of these all of these things that that made me feel really good and boosted my self-esteem. And it like it's hooked me ever since. And that was probably the one thing I didn't have with cubing. I never I never took that step to like actively compete. So that that's awesome. And I also I just want to bring up sort of a an observation uh, that that suddenly made me realize, which will partly just be stroking my own ego. But uh, <laughs> it seems like what you're saying is, or just to take what you said and put it in another way is kind of the 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 learning curve for cubing is like you increase right so it's like you know linear for a little bit and then it starts to curve off and taper off and now you're just going for you know a little bit faster of a time and a tiny mm-hmm. bit faster of a time and so it's 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 asymptotic there's mm-hmm. not going to be a competition where somebody solves a cube and the crowd goes whoa how did he do it that way like yeah. whereas with yo-yoing uh it's it's uh it's almost like fractal that you can keep building yeah. out. Like you can get a new concept. And now out of that, you have 10 new concepts and out of each of those 10 new concepts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 you know, it, it's the, the, the infinitely heightening part of, of an asymptote that it just keeps on going yeah. up and up and up. So, so there is no finished. I mean, really you can't finish learning either a cube or a yo-yo but at least the different kind of stuff, like you can keep making new and new and new learning curves with mm. the yo-yo. Um, yeah. It's interesting. You know, I like to pretend that like, I'm a guy that just is a hardcore yo-yo player and I love making new tricks and I love learning new tricks. Um, but, you know, if I'm being like truthfully honest, like I'm really bad at learning tricks. It's like a pain in the ass for me. And it's like, it's something I have to grip myself through. But what I do love about yo-yoing that it had over cubing is that there's this performance aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this performance aspect where you get up on stage, you choreograph something to music, you hear like a crowd and like you feel nervous and it's all on the line. And like, there's such, it's like so poetic and satisfying and it gives me such a rush to perform like that. And that is probably what I love most about yo-yoing. That's why, like, despite, uh, you know, fading into competitive irrelevance multiple times, I'm still trying to claw my way back in there. Because ultimately, that, I think, is what I love about yo-yoing that I haven't really been able to find um, in another outlet. <laughs> well, if, <laughs> if you can't get it soon, you'll you'll be able to get it again in the over thirty division. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll see, we'll see, man. <laughs> uh, oh my god, uh, that's awesome. But I I also love. It seems like like and something I've noticed just in kind of everything that you do from mm-hmm. the first contest you went to, you have this expectation for yourself and this confidence in yourself of like I'm gonna go in. And I'm going to I'm gonna win this contest, even though it's my first one. Uh, like that's awesome. And it's 
and I know also you like quit your job recently to, <laughs> to, to do this. And that is a, that is a hell of a leap of faith and an amount of confidence in yourself to be able to pull that off. And I know that you also had, you know, a lot of years of doing YouTube experience and kind of mm -hmm. knowledge around it to back mm -hmm. that up. But that's just something that I, I think that we're going to see a lot as we talk. It, it just a trait that I think you have that a lot of people might not and a lot of people, maybe not to the same extreme, but could adopt. Um, well, okay. Let, I mean, I think, and like, thank you for the kind words. It strokes my ego like you wouldn't believe. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think um, if we go to the whole, so with, with the whole like ANYC, I'm going to win and ends up in fifth place. That confidence was, was born out of, uh, delusion, <laughs> meaning that like, like it's, it's easy to be confident and like full of yourself and like, mm. you know, uh, feel amazing when you're just ignorant. And I don't, I don't think that's a particularly noble state to be in, to be honest, because you get humbled pretty quick. And, you know, like I did, I did get humbled. Um, but with the quitting your job thing, that was a different realization that I had to make. And if we dive into this a little bit, like I was what you'd probably call like an empty dreamer um, for like a, like a large portion of my life. And I was always be like, yeah, man, I'm going to like do this whole yo-yo thing. I'm going to like be amazing. It's going to be great. I'm going to be like a YouTuber. And I'd say all these things and I just wouldn't put in the work. And I... I was like, oh man, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to like, I've gone to like watching Gary V videos and I was like, I'm going to hustle and I'm going to like do my nine to five job doing nine to five. And then like from like 5 a.m. till like 9 a.m. I'm going to like hustle on my yo-yo grind. It's going to be great. And what I was doing in that sense, trying to do it all was I was trying to like negate the risk of failing. Mm. Meaning that like, let's say I don't blow up on YouTube. Let's say I, I never make it in the yo-yo world. Let's say all of my dreams, there's like some sort of like failure. It's all good. Cause at the end of the day, I'm an office nine to five worker. I can, yeah, who cares? Right. Mm -hmm. And it was only when my corporate career became so miserable, so like soul crushing that I was like, man, I just want to do something that like makes me like fulfilled and happy. Mm -hmm. So, so it was only by like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to like do this. And it was only by like putting a real failure on the table because like, it's cute to say, Oh, I've got a YouTube channel and I'm a yo-yo player. Oh. And by the way, I work for like this big company. It's like, yeah. that's cute to say that. Right. But if you quit your job and you're like, hey, man, I'm like dying and I like <laughs> I like run a yo-yo company and I've got a YouTube channel. No one really watches my videos, but that's all I've got right now. That is a humiliating stance to be in. So you either have to make it or like you have to walk around with your head in shame being like you failed. Um, and that terror uh, and that pain kind of allowed me to to leverage that into like a new level of effort that I, I hadn't tapped into before. So really that leap of faith came, wasn't out of like, um, you know, confidence. That was just more out of desperation. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I think um, that's how the mechanism worked. It's not, I'm just like, I knew I was going to succeed. It was just like, I didn't have a choice. I gotcha. That yeah. is also something I completely resonate with. I was also at a soul crushing job mm-hmm. and still am and will be for a month. And I, I have been trying to get out for so long. And I finally got something that hopefully is more fun. Yeah. But if it's not, then I, <laughs> my mom listens to these and she's probably sweating hearing this. I don't know <laughs> what the hell I'm going to do. Uh, like if I get to that and it's the same thing, then like, what what the hell comes next uh uh so so it's but it it is interesting hearing that and it is good to know that uh, that you got that that push from from being in that desperate state to be able Mm. to to like unleash that amount of effort that you didn't know that you had before um yeah dude nothing um nothing increases effort like a uh looming deadline of being homeless (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's an exaggeration that's an exaggeration <laughs> like like if, if I like what I was afraid of was that like if I failed I would have had to like move back in with my parents which you know it wouldn't have been that bad and I'd have to like just like hang my head in shame and be like yeah that was the dude that like quit his job to like start a yo company and it completely bombed and yeah. that to be honest was like painful enough for me to like get my act together and actually do stuff so what was the stuff that you did Okay. Yeah. So it's interesting, man. So this is a concept I've been thinking a lot about, and it's actually a lot easier to achieve goals than a lot of people think. It's just, it, it, it involves like a consistent action. Uh, it involves consistent, intense action over a sustained period of time. And most people just aren't in a position to kind of like do something like that. So, uh, so when I quit my job and I made like this whole big deal about it, like I'm, I'm the biggest theatrical drama queen there is. So like I, <laughs> I, I quit my job and like in, in to, to celebrate myself quitting my job, I did like this iron distance triathlon. And then I like, okay. But after all of that, like razzle dazzle was over. I, I came back to reality and I was kind of like, all right, you've quit your job. You've got no money coming in. Now, like, you've got to, like, figure this out. You've got to make this work. So the first thing I decided to do was I decided to start a daily vlog where I would discipline myself to post a, uh, a YouTube video every single day for 30 days. Mm-hmm. So basically, like, every single day, non-negotiable, you have got to upload a video, a vlog, like, you, you just have to be done. No excuses, right? So I went in, I started doing that. And I was like, all right, every single day I would upload a video. And it was hard, dude. Like you, you like see YouTubers like Casey Neistat live these like amazing lives. And you're just like, oh, it looks so effortless. But like, it was a grind. Like yeah. I had to like edit videos up until like 1am and then wake up at like 5am and then like finish the videos and like get it done. So that was the first thing. But then the second thing I realized was that I didn't really know how to make yo-yo content that was, that was interesting and viral to the mainstream audience. Hmm. So I joined this, uh, this YouTube, uh, YouTube bootcamp called Creator Now. 
And essentially what they do is it's hosted by this YouTuber called Airac. And basically he had this, his claim to fame was he got to zero to a million subscribers in a single year. So I was like, well, if anyone's going to teach me how to do this, it's, it's this guy. So I go into that while I'm in the midst of my daily vlogging challenge. And I have to basically, I now see the YouTube world in a more strategic lens. And like, if you guys are like watching and you guys are like, you know, like what's the secret to blowing up on the YouTube onto YouTube, I'm about to give it to you. Right. This is like, literally, if you guys understand this, you'll figure it out. All right. So I'm in the midst of my daily vlogging challenge. I've probably posted like seven vlogs so far and all of them are tanking. They're getting about a thousand, maybe 800, 900 views. And I'm like, I am going to die of starvation before I get this like YouTube thing off the ground. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking up on my like YouTube course and there's this live call and then Mr. Beast phones up Eric while he's in the midst of a Q&A. And then he's like, yo, what's up guys? Uh, I'm, I'm on a call with Eric for a little bit. Do you guys have any questions? And I asked Mr. Beast like the dumbest question. I'm like, hey man, do YouTube tags matter? And then like, tags on youtube are these little things that you put in it's like no like they don't that was a dumb question they don't matter at all but that got him talking about what does matter and he literally said the thing that um that i've tried to aim for is that like all you need to know to blow up on youtube are two metrics if you can get a youtube video that has a 20 percent click-through rate and 70% video retention, that video will go viral. No doubt about it. And I was just like, oh, oh, okay. So for those of you who don't know what those metrics mean, a click-through rate is let's say uh, 100 people look at my thumbnail and 20 of those people decide to click, that's a 20% click-through rate. Video retention is let's say I make a 10 minute video and 90% uh, of people watch like 70% of that video, that, that's like high. So it's like, oh, okay, well, that's the magic number. Sweet, all right. So I go through my analytics and I look at like my little YouTube vlogs that I'm posting out at the time. And my click-through rate is like 5%. And my retention rate is 30%. And I'm just like, well, no wonder my videos aren't blowing up. So once I understood that that was the secret, that was the game, that was all you need to know about the YouTube algorithm, I, um, I started trying to get closer to those numbers. Now, um, for what it's worth, a 20% click-through rate and a 70% video, uh, what was it, 80% video retention is very, very difficult to achieve, but um, that's what it takes. So that, um, and, and basically just trying to do that every single day for like while I was like unemployed, like living out my yo-yo dreams was was kind of how I, I I did it. So I guess the first things I think about with that are uh, when you see YouTubers are classic for having the thumbnails that's like them pointing at something with a big red arrow and their eyes are made giant and they've got cartoon eyes and it, it goes, it's got like some really like obnoxious word on it that makes you like like cringe a little bit and you're like oh but i yeah. want to know so that yeah. mixed with like the formats of top 10 blah 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 
or mm. 10, like, you know, some, some list of 10 things, like the first video that you put out that went viral, um, mm-hmm. or a, uh, like an explanation video that's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, maybe not an explanation video. That'd be more for like trying to get spotted by the search uh, algorithm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. there there's formats that you can follow that are just kind of serving that uh, retention rate and that click-through rate, which by the way, for this podcast, the retention rate is miserable. <laughs> People listen to the first the first few bits and they, they fall off and I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, so, but- but yeah, so this is a talk show, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I think like, man, like on that topic, there are a million ways to achieve a 70% uh-huh. click-through rate. Uh well, 70, that'd be really good. No, uh, 20% click-through rate and 70% video retention. It's just um, and and that is the true beauty with those numbers, which means it's like, like, you know, like you can innovate within within that framework so mm-hmm. it's like whatever happens happens so it's like youtube is a pretty meritocratic environment if like the video is good like people click on it and you watch it they will push it out it's just your content has to get to that level so what's what's some of the things because i was over there you know listening off some ideas of, of like what i assume but what's some of the stuff that you found that has worked um I, I think like, well, it, it depends on the creator and it also depends on the niche that they fall into. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, things that have worked is like, uh, I, I, I think at the end of the day, man, it, it really comes down to how good a storyteller are you? Um, because humans are, we're, we're, we're wired to listen to stories like what I always like to come back to is the very simple storytelling structure, which is uh, set up conflict uh, resolution, meaning like um, Jack and Jill go up the hill, set up, fetch a pile of water, Jack fell down, broke his crown, conflict, and Jill came tumbling after, resolution. And it's this idea of like, if you format a video like that, it, it's satisfying to watch. So like that could, that could look like, um, hey guys, I'm having a daily vlog today and like come through with me throughout my day as I, you know, go out and uh, try out these new outfits. She tries out a bunch of outfits and like none of them work very well. And then she gets one really amazing outfit at the end of it and then it ends. And that video could go viral with its audience. And then you have characters like Mr. Beast who's like, I'm going to bury myself alive for like, you know, (laughs) 50 hours straight and you see him struggle through being buried alive for 50 hours straight and then he comes out of it the other side and I think it's how you tell your story with your unique personality that is really that that's how you retain an audience that's how you retain someone's attention if you if you violate that structure uh that's a death knell so that would probably be one of the things like probably the most overarching thing that I would I would discuss that's interesting and there's something in there that i've realized a lot of us and this is something i i sometimes suffer from we don't want our content to have that struggle but that struggle is essential because we don't want to we don't want people looking at us going oh this guy's such a fool he's so stupid um (laughs) but like i'm about to post a trick tomorrow and one of the the first things with my instagram before it started 
you know, growing to an amount was like, I'm going to post only perfect takes. I, I will mm -hmm. only post a perfect bind. There won't be any mistakes. But mm -hmm. tomorrow there's going to be a trick, really cool trick. But at the end, there's like a slight knot, but it, it kind of resolves. In fact, it, yeah. it really sort of follows that story structure of like, I do the trick and then I, I'm showing that I have no knot, but there's, you know, one of those knots that you keep throwing it and throwing, yeah, yeah. And throwing it. But then it resolves at the end. You can kind of see me breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, anyway, so like it, it doesn't make you look foolish when you include the bloopers. It makes you look human and it, it helps you mm. to, to tell that story. Um, yeah. And so I like, never be scared of that. Exactly. I actually think, I mean, sorry to like kind of cut you oh, off no there, problem. but I, I also think it's a feature because um because like uh, there was a video I posted, which was called, I think it was titled, I attempted the world's hardest yo-yo trick. And literally that entire video, the story structure is, there is a really trick, difficult trick called a 4.0 hook. I can't land that 4.0 hook. And I, I dedicate the entire video into trying to land that trick. Yeah. And literally the, the video is me failing. <laughs> for like four minutes straight. And I'm like losing my mind and I'm screaming at yeah. the camera and I'm like crying and I'm like cursing the world. And that video, the bulk of it is me missing the trick. When mm -hmm. I finally get the trick, the video ends. And I think that is a little bit more interesting than someone just landing that perfect trick because the audience doesn't really understand how difficult it is to land. So that that's, that's a concept of how you mainstreamify a very, very nerdy niche yo-yo concept. It's like you kind of have to unravel the cover a little bit. So I have a question. Is there, so uh, <laughs> your 26 levels that, uh, uh, oh, okay, there was a, a video that you made, which was the 26 levels of, of yo-yoing and you're <laughs> taking uh, a, another video and you're attempting every trick and every time you miss, you take a shot of lemon juice, which I think is another great example of what you're saying. Because first of all, those were not like, that wasn't a shot glass. That was like a, a, a very light pour, like a sample pour of wine in a wine glass, but lemon juice. And you took, I think like seven shots of that. Um, yeah, because, because, or A, like, I really wanted it at that time because I was like, that was probably my second video trying to like go viral. And um, that's a lie. Actually, that was the second video within Creator Now trying to go viral. Wow. And um, I just knew that like adding some sort of like, it, the storytelling technique is called stakes. And it's like, if there's something on the line, the audience has more attention to it. And, you know, in retrospect, uh drinking lemon juice is a bit of an artificial kind of tactically way to do that it doesn't really seem that compelling but at the end of the day you know it's like low it's like a low digestible form of humor like it's always kind of funny to see someone down lemon juice so that's that's probably why i do stuff like that first thing i want to ask is there like some repository that all the youtubers share that has just like like a box of steaks to use of like, all right, if you fail, you drink a lemon juice. If you fail, you have to uh, crack an egg on your head. Like, I feel like there's a lot of those sort of artificial steaks that get added to videos. 
Uh, is, is there some grab bag where people just go and grab them from, or do you have to think of that every video? Uh, I well, I I if there is said grab bag, I don't know it. I I thought of the oh. lemon juice <laughs> thing on my own. Um, okay, good. Because I was kind of like, oh, I could take a shot of alcohol, but that then it like deals, it screws up with like monetization things. It's oh, not a family friendly topic. So I was like, well, we could do like soy sauce, but I was like, I don't want to drink that, that like I'm going to die. <laughs> so then I was like, all right, what's just bad enough that like I could muscle through that. It's not going to do any permanent damage. Um, so I, I chose lemon juice. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think like a real steak would be like something that like actually is on the line. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's harder to make videos like that. So like, um, let's say, you know, uh, you need to catch this flight. Otherwise you're going to lose $10,000 on this mm -hmm. expensive flight you've, you've done. Um, and the, the story is you running to the airport and trying to go through it and catch this flight. That's a real steak. Like there's no artificial like, oh, I'm going to drink lemon juice. It's like you're emotionally invested in that story. So that's that's probably the masterclass way on how to do it. But I was kind of like young and dumb at the time. So I'm, I'm, I'm still very much like a content neophyte in this world. <laughs> so there are uh, two sort of um, things from improv, which is another field that I really love and have read a lot about uh, and have been doing for a lot of years. But uh, it's the concept of raising stakes that mm. if you, um, oh God, I, I can't think of an example of, of introducing stakes into a scene, but you can have two people fighting and then you introduce <laughs> that they're married, for example. Mm. Uh, or th there's just little things that you can do to anything that make it really matter to an audience. And I, of course, cannot think of an example, but next time you watch any movie, like uh, yesterday I watched Zoolander, uh, and this is the, the first thing on my mind, the whole thing in the, in the whole movie, they're talking about his new look, which is Magnum. And the whole time you're like, this is it's just a new look. It's not going to be anything. And they talk yeah. about how all of his old looks are all the same look. And then that is not to ruin Zoolander for anybody. That's what saves the movie. Uh, that's like the climactic scene is a ninja star is coming towards the prime minister of Malaysia. And then he does the look at the ninja star. And now the, the ninja star stops in midair and it's like this, it drops to the floor. And so like it, the, the point there is that you can introduce stakes into anything um, and you can essentially make an audience care about anything. Uh, yeah. There's yeah. some stakes involved with it. Like, and that's, I don't care if you missed 26 tricks, but if you have to take a shot of lemonade, I can sympathize with you now. Exactly, exactly, yeah. right? And that, and that kind of ties back to this idea of storytelling, which is, uh, storytelling is, is an art. And I think, like, uh, YouTubers are now starting to understand that, like, in order to make good content, you have to understand these storytelling principles and yeah, we're, we're just, everyone's just finding new and innovative ways to like tell the same old story. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a lot of, uh, a lot of the history of art is just people rediscovering how to tell stories. Yeah. Rediscovering what like someone did like a thousand years ago. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a bit of new one since uh, 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 Homer. Um, <laughs> it's all the same structure. Uh, mm. Oh, and one other um, improv thing is raising stakes. Of, mm. I think I might have actually said that a second ago, but it's no matter what the stakes are, you can always bring them higher. And yeah, make yeah. More important. Um, exactly. Which for you could have been like 
if if you miss more than five, you add a shot of Tabasco in with the with the yeah, lemonade, dude, for example. Dude, that's great. I might I might um I might even steal that concept, man. <laughs> add it to the communal YouTuber grab bag. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll start one up. Yeah, yeah, make it happen. Uh, cool. So so how what what got you first started in YouTube? Like you were doing um product reviews and and like unboxings, right? Yeah. So, oh man, dude, this is, um, this is a, this is an instance where, um, okay. So back to what I was saying before, like when I was, when I was first starting the yo-yo world, my only interaction with, um, other yo-yoers was through YouTube. So I, I felt like this moral obligation to like post up onto YouTube and, uh, and kind of leverage the platform to, to give back to the community. Right. Um, and then within that, so was your, so just to back up a bit, was your question saying how I got into YouTube or like how I got to the style I'm at now? Uh, both. Both. Okay. Uh, All right. Mostly like, yeah, both. Both. Okay. So, so basically at the time, um, I was kind of like, I, I uploaded trick videos, but I realized that I couldn't upload trick videos with a degree of consistency. So, because um, I had realized that you can only make so many tricks and my tricks aren't even that impressive. So I couldn't upload a, a trick video every single day. Um, and I had, I knew at the time, and this was back in like 2012, like if you were consistent on YouTube, you, you could grow an audience. That's how easy it was then. Like literally all you needed to do was continually post. Um, now it's a lot more competitive, but that was what I was like, okay. So I was like, okay, if I want to post consistently, what the heck am I going to post about? So there was this channel at the time called Durian Rider. I'm not sure if you guys know him. He's a very controversial figure. He's a smaller channel. Um, he was basically like this vegan cyclist. He had like these really uh, botchy videos, probably filmed on like some really cheap camera. Um, but I just found it fascinating because it was just like a dude talking about veganism and like cycling i'm not i'm I, I was a cyclist i'm not vegan but for whatever reason i gelled with this dude's personality and um i was like okay he's all he's got is a you know a, a crappy camera and you know videos so surely i could like do that with the yo-yo world so i got my start into um in into kind of like talking about yo-yo topics so I wouldn't, I wouldn't break down how to do a specific trick because that Andre's already there for that. Like there are already trick tutorials out there, but instead I was like, well, hey, I would hone in on a very niche advanced topic. How do you set up your competition yo-yos as backup yo-yos? Mm. Um, so that was one of my first videos. How do you uh, wash your hands before a yo-yo contest? Um, what is string tension? Why? <laughs> and I know there's like this whole thing about string tension, string torsion. So maybe we'll, we'll change the term to string torsion. What is it? And like, why does it matter? Um, what do you wear in a yo-yo contest? And these were all ideas that I had figured out through my own experience as a yo-yo competitor. Um, but I had never heard verbally explained by another person. So I start there and eventually what happened was I started to build kind of a decent audience and I was like, Hey, this is kind of, and by decent, I mean like 
probably like, I don't know, a thousand subscribers. And I was like, yeah, this is sick. So then around about that time, I was like, you know what? I've got this really evil devious plan. I'd be willing to bet now that I've got like a decent amount of people who listen to me, I bet I could start like reviewing yo-yos and I'm a pretty cool yo-yo player. Like I could review yo-yos and I bet you I could get to a point where like I would review yo-yos and like yo-yo companies would give me yo-yos for free. <laughs> this was like my devious plan. And as a, like a nerdy 15 year old, that was like every kid's dream, right? Yeah. So I bought a few yo-yos that I thought were like uh, interesting and that people wanted to kind of know about. So I bought like a drop near, I, uh, it was like a B grade drop near. I bought like a premiere. I bought like a few like kind of yo-yos that were like hot topics and I made reviews on them and people seemed to like it. And I think my claim to fame was like, I wasn't just a guy reviewing the yo-yo and doing like lackadaisical tricks. I was doing like stuff that you could see like real competitors doing. I was like throwing around horizontal combos. I was doing speed combos. So that was like my review format. And dude, that killed it, right? So like my, my evil plan, it worked. It was the best thing ever. Like companies were sending me yo-yos. I would get so many yo-yos that like, I would procrastinate on unboxing all of them because I knew I'd have to make a video. Mm-hmm. And that, that whole yo-yo review phase was fun until it wasn't. Meaning like, oh God, just hearing myself talk about this now, I sound so entitled, so ungrateful, like the world's worst person. But I, I got to a point where I, I was reviewing all of these yo-yos and it just didn't, it wasn't a satisfying, fulfilling uh, content to make. I, I, I just got bored of making that format and I realized at that point that like, if I tried to go back to the old style, people weren't there for that anymore. So if I went back to like, oh, I want to talk about yo-yo competitions and I want to talk about how to do this and do that. The, the majority of the audience wasn't there for that. They, I was, I pigeonholed myself as the yo-yo reviews mm-hmm. guy. So like, it's, it's buddy, like post yo-yo reviews and like the views go up or don't do that and the views go down. So what are you going to do? So I forced myself to like make these yo-yo review videos, even though I didn't want to be the yo-yo review guy. And it got to a point where like, I, I didn't want to do it anymore. And I went through like large phases of my channel where I just wasn't posting. And every now and then I would like post the review just to like set things up. But I had gained so much momentum that even without me posting, my channel would start to grow. Um, and then one day it didn't, and it, it's just started tanking. And I was like, well, don't worry. I, I know how to fix this. Just post more yo-yo reviews, but then YouTube evolves, man. And it does, it's not the format that people want to see anymore. People get tired of that format. And I was really in a situation where I had intrinsically thought, uh-oh, my time's up. This YouTube thing is gone. My channel is dead. Like I can't like, there's, there's nothing I can do at this point because I can post like 10 yo-yo reviews a day, but no one watches them anymore. And it was in this moment where I was kind of like pretty jaded. I was like, I genuinely thought hand on heart that like there's, I had like 30,000 subscribers at the time. And I was like, there is only 30,000 people in the world that are interested in yo-yo reviews. I've hit the ceiling. I've gone as big as I can grow. There's nothing past this point. 
And for what it's worth, I don't think that's right. I think that like my content just sucks that it wasn't getting pushed out to the relevant audience. Um, but so from there, I was like, okay, I have to like change up the format. Mm -hmm. So um, there are other yo-yo players that are blowing up on YouTube beyond what I think is possible. So I start to emulate that. Like Gendry posts this video where he reacts to PewDiePie. That video like um, blows up and... Um, and I start to think, oh, well, maybe there is more yo-yo people interested in yo-yos. It's just my content sucks. So that's when I went through the whole creator now thing. I tried to figure out how to tell better stories. And, and that is kind of where, how I've arrived at where I am today. And, nice. and I am, I'm also cognizant of the fact that like, we, we may need to switch, you know, like at any yeah. second, you can't be uh, romantic about the style of content you're creating. You have to constantly evolve because YouTube is evolving every second. Um, yeah. And I learned that with the whole, you know, yo-yo reviews thing. And I think if, if like, I can be like that guy that's like, hey kids, listen to me. This is like some hard-earned wisdom. It'd be like, you have to constantly evolve. So, yeah. There is a, a fact of social media that all these companies pay all the best engineers in the world to keep people focused on their platforms and there is a con just a fact of humanity is we need novelty and yes. so intrinsic yes. to all social media is you will have to change your content because the best engineers in the world are going to crunch the numbers find that people aren't watching as much as they used to be because it's the same stuff and they're going to start optimizing to, to get more novel stuff. So you have to stay ahead of that. Um, yeah. And they will shut you down. They can control what people see or not. It, it's not that they're shutting you down. I don't think of like people getting shut. It's just a change in consumer demand. Yeah. So like, I, I mean, mean, I'm going to say this that, now. Like, there's going to uh -huh. be a day where people get bored of the whole fast cuts extreme mr b style like videos that's going to happen one day right and then mr beast is a smart guy he's going to evolve right yeah. um but there's going to be a day where like the whole you know the whole tiktok thing doesn't work anymore you know yep. but you, you can't just do the dna over like 50 million or you, you can do it more than you think but like there's going to be a day where like that that gets played out and like we all have to evolve and I am painfully, painfully aware of that. I'm always on the lookout as to when it's going to evolve um, because I've been on the side of like making the thing that used to work and it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And it's the worst to be in that situation. Oh yeah, it's painful. It sucks. Nothing, nothing like scares me more than stagnation. That is yeah. probably the worst thing. Yeah. It's crazy that you have to jump on the bandwagon as soon as it starts. It's it's almost like the stock market that by the time, you know, the, the, the saying of like, by the time you hear the stock tip, it's already too late because by the time <laughs> your coworker tells it to you, now everybody knows the stock tip and it's useless now. Uh, it's It seems somewhat similar to that, that by the time the trend gets to you, it could be too late. So you have to be in it or like doing it currently in order to stay ahead of those things and kind of feel out what the changes are. Yeah. But what I would also say, and kind of like, kind of as the counter argument to that, not a counter argument, oh, yeah. but like maybe a clarification to that uh -huh. is that you also have to be 
you also have to be uh, you also have to enjoy this new field that you're like jumping into. So like there's there's you can get to a certain level of proficiency by just chasing trends. So like let's say like what's like what's big right now? I don't know, like Mr. Beast style videos, right? Uh, actually, let's let's use a different example because I like um, okay. Let let's let's go with like you know crypto. Crypto is a huge okay. thing right now. It's it's blowing up. Everyone's like really into it, right? Now there is a person that is gonna make that big. There, there's probably thousands of them by now. There's a there's gonna be a person that's gonna like you know blow up on YouTube as the crypto guy, right? And one day, like, it's going to evolve into something else, okay? Maybe, like, NFTs are the thing or whatever. Yeah. And I'd say that the people with longevity are the people who actually care about yeah. crypto because they're the ones that are going to enjoy making that content and continue making it forward. So we all know that guy that's like oh one day he's like a real estate social media guy and the next he's a crypto guy and the next he's a forex yeah. trader and he's constantly jumping trends to try to get that so i think you do need a certain level of proficiency and passion and then the question then becomes how do you adapt what you're truly passionate about and package it in a way that is new and improved and resonates with uh with a novel audience it's, it's almost like you're keeping the heart, but changing the body. Exactly. You're, yeah. You're changing the yeah. format around the thing. No, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. And that that's so similar. I, I think that kind of clicks in with what I was saying. You have to be in it and you have to care about it because mm. if you don't actually care about Forex trading, then you're not yeah. actually going to know about it. Uh, yeah, maybe exactly. you'll get a few exactly. views, but then people go, what the hell is this guy talking about? Yeah. Um, that's maybe not true. In finance, you can basically say anything and then start a hedge fund. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but I think to like a but, certain but the point degree, remains. Yeah, you, you've yeah. got to be that, that. That's why I harp on about this idea of like passion. You got to be genuinely passionate about it because um, it uh, otherwise you're just not going to like put in the reps. Here's an example is uh, staying in finance. Warren Buffett, like he has been doing the same thing for 70 years or something. Yeah. And he right? loves it. Exactly. <laughs> he really loves what he does. Yeah. He loves finance. He loves the idea of like investing in companies. And he constantly talks about it with so much passion. You can read his, his, hmm. his letters that he sends out to his investors every year. And he always loves it. And so no matter what people, and he has a huge following which you can literally put a monetary value on his following, <laughs> which is the value of his company. Uh, yeah. So like, that's that's sort of just an example of, of keeping the, but also like he went from sending out uh, letters, physical letters to mail maybe a mailing list and having a website and like yeah, speaking exactly. on video. And so he is changing so, his format while maintaining. His, yeah. I mean, those are very, very big trends. That's not like an internet trend. That's like a, a whole media trend. So yeah. just to put an example out. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I'd say that like that's that's the aim of the game. It's like how do you... Um, YouTubers call this concept content market fit, which means you have to create something. This is, a, this is an interesting concept that I learned. Um, the, if you imagine like three concentric rings, right? Yeah. So... Yeah. 
when these three overlap, you found your niche. All right. First, first and foremost, you've got to create content that you like, right? So that you enjoy making. Okay. So uh, that's the first concentric ring, but that in and of itself isn't enough. Right. So I love making daily vlogs, right? It's so amazing. I love it. But if all I made was daily vlogs, no one like that doesn't get pushed out into the algorithm. Right. So then the second thing you need to, to kind of uh, create, the second thing is, well, is there an audience for this type of content? Are there people that actually want to watch this stuff? Right. So that's the second concentric ring that you uh, overlap with. Right. There goes all and the yo-yo channels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the yo-yoers just stopped listening. To, oh, okay. Yep. Just, no. Yep. <laughs> that's not me. No, no, I'm kidding. Go on. And then, and then the third concentric ring is like, uh -huh. is this uh, type of content compatible with the social media's uh, algorithm? Right. And when you have all of those things combined, that's the sustainable niche that you can sit in for like a little bit. Um, but, uh, but like, yeah, for, for, um, so like, let's say you've got, you've got like the algorithm and the audience, but you hate making that content. Then you end up like me with yo-yo reviews, right? You're burned out. You're not passionate about it. And sooner or later, you're going to crumble, right? Let's say you have the content's great. Uh, you love making the content, but no one wants to see that content and the algorithm hates it. Now you're just making videos for yourself, which is fun and poetic in a sense, but it's not going to get you out of like your nine to five terrible job. Yeah. And so like you want to have, make sure that all of those things are connected. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I think about it with, uh, with making successful content or yo-yo content. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's, uh, I, I almost want to like, post that up as a an, an instagram <laughs> that that's that's not my that's not my concept that yeah. i think i heard it from uh, uh colin and samir they're like they've got this really cool podcast but that's where i heard that from okay yeah no that's that's great um yeah man, i think there's a lot of tips in here for anybody who wants to start youtube <laughs> and also this is another thing you encourage that you're not like butting heads with other creators no, well, I, I think that we're in a place right now where like if yo-yoing wants to grow, we need to in increase the amount of creators on there. So yeah. I'll give you I'll give you like a, a really good example. So I I was like getting slaughtered on YouTube and I was just like, oh my God, like uh, I can't do this. I don't know how to like freaking upload videos. And then I'm seeing like all these kids blow up on TikTok like Angelo and Hunter and Betty and Gentry. And like, in all honesty, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. How do they do that? Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I call up Angelo, right. Angel two up. And I'm like, bro, how the hell do you do this? And he's just like, dude, like, look at my videos, steal that freaking format and you will blow up. And I was just like, you're not going to be mad if I like steal your videos, man. He's just like, bro, I don't care, man. Steal the videos, <laughs> blow up. And like, I'll see you at the top. And then I'm just like, oh man. And I was like insecure. I was like, I don't want to be that cringy TikTok guy. Like it's so lame. And it's like, I don't want to do that. But like, 
because Angelo was so um, encouraging and so like non-confrontational and he like gave me the keys to the kingdom, that really allowed me to make TikTok content without a fear of like judgment. And um, that was a gift that Angelo gave me that um, I try my best to kind of like give to everyone else. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, first of all, Angelo's crazy supportive. Um, if anybody yeah. doesn't know, he did an episode of this. Very, very good. It's like it's like the same level of tips that you're giving for YouTube, but for TikTok. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. If if you guys want like the the TikTok masterclass, ask us, uh, Angelo. I I can yeah. only riff off of that. Yeah. He will respond. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. Uh, he's he's such a such a cool guy. Um, so you mentioned in one of your videos uh about appealing to, and we've talked about a little bit here before, but you mentioned three things to appeal to the general public um, uh -huh. with yo-yo content, which were like having a cool trick, having humor, and then like explaining something. Mm. So could you kind of go through that as a general format and maybe how that links in with creating a story? Ooh, that's a really good question. You've done your homework, man. Um, uh -huh. uh, okay, so... Okay, what I'll say is that these three pillars are probably not law, but this is these are the three key pillars of my style. Okay. So if you want the recipe to make a Brandon Vu video, this is kind of how I think about it. So if you have, so like, let's go, go with cool tricks. Okay, now a lot of people think cool tricks. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 I got that. Like, let's do this intricate tech combo that like, you know, only 1.1% of like the yo-yo population really understands. Wrong. That's a boring trick. Okay. I don't care how difficult it is. I don't care how long it took you to land. It's boring, right? A cool trick, as in how I define it, is something that if someone who knows nothing about yo-yoing sees that trick for the first time, they will be impressed. Mm -hmm. So like now you're looking at tricks like the DNA. Now you're looking at tricks like Godspeed. Now you're looking at tricks like the UFO, like walk the dog, like leg wrap trap, right? Things oh, that like, yeah, resonate that are just visually impressive. So that's the first thing. So that's how you use this yo-yo ability we have and we, we, we can hook other audiences with it. But then you have to kind of go and explain that. So like if I do a yo-yo trick, you're like, cool, that's sick, man, good job, right? Like yeah. you don't understand how difficult it is. You don't understand how much effort it took me to land that. You don't even really know what's going on if you're just a new yo-yo player. So you have to explain that. But then if you just have cool tricks and you're explaining it, that feels like an educational video and you're not on YouTube to be educated, right? You don't want to like listen through a lecture on like modern day yo-yoing. So then the third component, which is what I kind of do, is you have to sprinkle the humor in, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be like, uh, the way I like to refer it is like my favorite character to play, which is, I'm not acting. This is kind of like how I am in real life. It's like an endearing idiot kind of character, right? Yeah. So you splice that in and all of a sudden you have like an ingredient or a meal that is kind of 
kind of digestible to like a mainstream audience. Um, and, and that's kind of how I've thought about it. Um, I'm open to like better ways of doing it. And I'm sure there's a kid one day who's going to like decimate me by like finding a better recipe, but that's kind of like my recipe. So that's something of having a character uh, that is super important. There is a book. I always, I always love bringing in, bringing in books. Uh, How to write funny characters that touches on it. This is by Scott Dickers, the founder of The Onion, who's also mm-hmm. an awesome guy. Um, but that touches on a, a, a age old concept, which is Comedia dell'arte, which is there's like five or six essential characters. There's like uh, the the young lovers and the the like very masculine bravado guy who's like get a like some sea cap like a captain of something and then there's the lovable idiot uh which is like like homer simpson and um and uh uh, oh oh uh, uh, the peter mr bean guy yeah Yeah. mr bean um and then there's like uh, oh a nefarious person uh who's always plotting um and, and and so like there's all these and and like a robot is another character which like veritasium just as an example veritasium yeah. and nile red if you know their youtube channel they're sort of robot but also lovable idiot so it's right. you can kind of take these core characters that mm-hmm. appear through all of media and have existed through all time and are proven to work and you can use those to as a thing to build stories um yeah yeah, which I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, it's very rare you get to talk about comedy theory uh, yeah, and, in the yo-yo and, podcast. Yes. Oh, but I love that stuff. Um, how did that character develop for you? Um, uh, I, I think it's just it's it's representative of who I am as a person, I think. And I, I will admit that like I do play it up a little bit and it's not like I'm not like that all the time in real life, but it does come from a genuine place like um, if anyone like hangs out with me they'll know like I'm kind of an idiot like I do really dumb things I'm kind of uh, I, I'm impulsive I'm the last to get the joke kind of guy, and I, I've never really been the cool guy, you know, I really wish that I could be that like angsty, quiet, like Hiroyuki Suzuki, Hajime Takeshi kind of character. But like, I can't, man, I'm just not that cool. So yeah. I go the complete other direction. And, um, and, and that's kind of, I feel comfortable like that. It, it, it's true to me. I feel as if it's authentic to how I feel in the moment. And um, when, when it goes time to create a, a compelling story, I do dial up the energy a little bit, but I, I think it, it comes from like who I am that's that's all and i think that's pretty common is just taking your who you are and playing that a little bit more yeah you like dialed up to like 11 yeah yeah although there's also there's something that i think happens less in yo-yoing i think the closest we could get to it is josh yi doing like a full fursuit performance uh (laughs) or like freestyle but it's going beyond who you are and being an enhanced version of yourself and like putting on a, an actual character, which in the yeah. magic world, like Piff the Magic Dragon is one example of somebody who puts on a totally a character that is not themselves and then acts that out. 
Um, yeah, and I, and I think that that's probably a more advanced form of storytelling that I can't yes. quite pull off. So like, um, so that's why I my has to be if if the audience is to believe and resonate with this character, I I need a bit of me in it because I can't I I can't convincingly play a different character without it looking cringe. Um, so that's that's kind of why I do it that way. I see. Yeah, man, that's that's some great stuff. Uh, here's sort of a more technical question that I like <laughs> to ask anybody who's like I asked this of Angelo too. Um, what does your footage management look like? Because when you're making all this stuff, I know I have a system for for my Instagram that's very dead basic. It's literally the easiest that I could possibly come up with. But when you're coming up with video after video after video and different videos all getting edited at the same time and sometimes editing yourself and maybe working with an editor, what are you doing to manage all of that footage? Oh man, this is um disclaimer for like anyone who's watching this video right now. The answer I'm going to give is going to be the most disappointing answer ever, but it's the honest answer. Um, I have no management system. I, I literally, so what I do is I have like a 512 gigabyte SD card and I have like a bunch of five terabyte uh, like external hard drives and I film on my camera until the gigabyte, uh, until the memory card fills up. And then I will basically import the footage of the day and I will go through like the editing software. I'll sort it by chronological order and I'll edit it. And then the second that memory card fills up, I like rip all of it off the memory card. I dump it in the external hard drive labeled the date that I dumped it in there. And that is my filing system. <laughs> that is literally like, so my rule is like shoot the video, edit the video. If, if I have to like, if there's too much of a lag between the, the shot shooting of the video and the editing of the video, because I don't have a management system, I will never find that footage ever again. So it's like, shoot the video, edit the video. So that I don't think is disappointing. I think that is indicative of the system that you've created, which is you have to make it or else, or else you're lost. <laughs> you're yeah, well, what, what I learned from the daily vlogging thing is uh -huh. that you can make a video faster than you think. People are like, oh, it's going to take me at least a week. It's like, no, it's not. It's actually going to take you about seven hours. So you can literally, like, let's say I'm, I'm filming from like 9, 5 a.m. till 3 p.m right so okay cool day's done shot, footage is shot from 3 p.m it's going to take me about seven hours to finish that video if you get started right away in seven hours that video can be a published youtube video mm -hmm. so that's why I, I, i'm not trying to justify my terrible like filing system <laughs> i i feel as if like um you know you could probably do it a lot better than the way i'm doing it but that's kind of like that works for me i'm a rebel i don't like to keep super organized and like unless someone's like organizing it for me like left to my own devices my world is chaos look just get get to the point get your uh five million subscribers and then hire someone to do it for you yeah that that's honestly the plan like yeah <laughs> yeah no that so i think that brings me to another point that you uh that you had mentioned uh when we were talking uh, a few days ago which is um shipping at 80% that you're not mm -hmm. shipping when you have a perfect pristine product. Could you kind of go into what 
what that means. I think it sort of links in with a lot of what we've talked about so far. Yeah. So I think this, this, this mindset works best with content. Um, so to, to kind of clarify a little bit, um, I, I'm not just a YouTuber, I do have like a yo-yo company. And I believe that if you're shipping out a yo-yo, um, that should be 100%, right? Yeah. It's better to ship out like a physical product that's 100% um, before you kind of like put that out there. But with things like content, where quality is so subjective and honestly, no one really knows the answer, it's better to go for a quantity versus quality approach. And what I mean by that is like, whenever someone comes up to me and they're like, Brandon, I want to blow up on YouTube and TikTok. And I'm like, great. And they send me messages and seeing like, is this the perfect video idea? I'm like, bro, I don't know. Like make it and find out, right? Like upload it and figure it out. And if it doesn't work, upload it again and do that like 463 times until you get the iteration that works. But so many people waste so much time thinking like, is this the perfect video? How can I make this more perfect? It's like upload it, look at the retention graph and you'll see. Um, so my, my philosophy is fail fast, fail quickly. And then you will learn faster by failing than you will by debating and um, like, you know, ruminating on the one perfect video. Yeah, I think that's, that as a concept has become a lot more popular lately. Also, tell me if you hear my dog whining in the background. He might want to come <laughs> up to my lap in a second. Anyway, uh, 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 there's a, uh, a term analysis paralysis that I really yeah. like, which is that you just have, you get so caught up in the thinking about it that you don't actually take any action. You don't actually and do it. Yeah. The best company that, uh, as an example of actually doing that and putting it in action, and in this case with physical hardware would be SpaceX uh, yeah. making rocket after rocket after rocket. And they failed over and over and over. And now they have the best rocket because they've screwed up so many times. I mean, like, dude, like that, that's taking this concept on another level. Like I am yeah. like, I don't think anyone else on this planet is a badass as Elon that's willing to sink billions of dollars into making rockets and like having them blow up. Like, but you know, man, that's why it's like, he's where he is where he is. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, for any of us, we can just make, it's a lot cheaper to make a TikTok. TikTok yeah, to make it yeah. A, a I'm just like, so people like script TikToks for hours. And I was just like, dude, if you just filmed that TikTok, it would have taken you like 20 minutes and you would know with absolute certainty whether it was a good idea or not. This is why I think so many people need to take an improv class. <laughs> yeah. It, it teaches you uh, how to remove those blocks I, I was mm -hmm. literally listening to, oh God, another book I have to recommend, which is Free Play. I, I'm not going to pull it out of my shelf. Anyway, it's Free free Play by Stephen Nachmanovich, which I'm now reading through for the third time. Uh, it's like so essential to how I approach everything. Uh, and he, in the first chapter, he's like, improv teaches you that it's, you as a person are inherently creative. There is there is a constant creation happening if you look at kids playing that is the natural state of mind is creating and making uh and then as you get older all these blocks come in because you learn how to analyze stuff in different ways and different approaches to problem solving but all that problem solving and analysis starts to become the enemy so improv is kind of this religion this religious experience of like 
breaking through that barrier and learning how to remove those and just create and make and like yeah 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 and I think um yeah I mean I, I think I've said all I, I, I want to say on that like I think you're absolutely right and I I I, I agree with uh, with that religion and that that worldview. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, oh man! Um, so that's awesome. That's so good. Uh, where you you mentioned we were talking uh, a few days ago uh, that you'd like people to understand kind of what matters in yo-yoing and also what doesn't matter in yo-yoing. Uh, could you kind of go into that? You mentioned like vibe doesn't matter. Oh, so like- right. Okay. Um, yeah. So this is a concept. So, all right. Preface to my answer to this. I view the world as a competitive yo-yoer. And honestly, I think that this worldview may not be appropriate for everybody because I get like, there are people who approach the world as a collector or like just a dude to have fun or just a, but, but here is my worldview. <laughs> so it, it feels as if in recent years, people have been really harping on about things that don't matter in yo-yoing. And when I mean yo-yoing is I mean the actual act of playing with the yo-yo. So like now, like people are obsessed with like fingernail vibe. And that is the benchmark of quality. And, and I own a yo-yo company and I, I, I literally have someone hired to make sure that I don't ship out yo-yos that aren't smooth. So like, you know, I, I take quality control very seriously, but at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Like I compete with B grades uh, because that, that's a factor that doesn't matter. Um, similarly, like pretty colorways and stuff like that doesn't matter or like, you know, what's the perfect pad or like all of this stuff. And I, I think people like overthink a lot of this stuff. And I think um, that if, if I was to kind of, you know, look at indicators of quality, I would be like, well, do I like this yo-yo? You know, does it move through the air kind of well? Does it agree with me as I'm landing my tricks? Is this yo-yo catchable? Is this yo-yo, uh, you know, is this yo-yo durable? Like when I knock it on the ground, is it going to like fall apart? Um, so those are the things that I think matter, but I would then kind of like couch that with, I view the world through like a competitive yo lens and I totally get anyone who disagrees with me because they may have a different worldview. So some things I want to hit on for that is like, I despise any yo-yo that puts a, uh, a laser engraving in the hub because now <laughs> I can't finger spin. And yeah. I'm like, ah. So like, yeah. That to me matters. <laughs> I I the outlier had like a a hub logo, and I got rid of it. And I was like, you know what? I don't because selfishly, I'm just like I do the DNA so many times, and I this this logo is freaking annoying. And um, people were really mad. They were like, hey man, my outlier doesn't have like the logo anymore. And I'm just like oh, I didn't know there was a subset <laughs> of people who cared about that logo. Oh, so um, I, I guess like there's no perfect worldview. Everyone's got different perspectives and I'll try to be empathetic of that. But uh, my, my, my view is that people don't play with the yo-yos enough. And yes. that is thematic. And like a symptom of that is worrying about things that don't matter, like vibe 
like colorways, like having perfect pretty yo-yos that are undinged. Like that is just inherently boring to me. Yeah. So that's uh, one of the reasons that this podcast is named Kill Your Yo-Yo. That is an <laughs> encouraging statement to go and here, right here, I have uh, for a long time what was my favorite yo-yo only to re- be replaced by an upcoming yo-yo that will be my signature, which is the exact yeah. same design, but this part is is round. In yeah. Here. The only difference uh, and the rest of the design is practically the same and it's 7075. <laughs> it's the it's the rev um uh oh man do I know the, the net freak wave uh F R E Q period W A V oh. uh, by a company that doesn't exist anymore uh recreational revolution but mm. uh and the upcoming yo-yo is the dopamine which I made uh but Ooh. anyway this yo-yo is beat to hell yeah, I can show it to you. I can show it to you, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, but, dude, uh, dude, I'll, I'll trade stores with you. Like, look at mine. This is the Deviant that I use for all of, like these TikToks. And like, there you go. It's it's like this was a B grade when it began, and I dig the crap out of it. So like, it doesn't matter, man. Yeah. Like, um, I'm not that guy that will say like, oh yeah, the ones I compete with are dead smooth. They're not. It's always embarrassing when someone like comes up and say, oh man, Brandon, I really want to try the outlier, and they grab mine. And they're like whoa this really sucks it's like no it doesn't suck it just sucks because I, I beat it to the ground but <laughs> um yeah and and that kind of just ties in with the larger conversation i wish people would uh would wouldn't talk about silly pristine keeping your yo in like perfect shape kind of thing but hey you know i think it's a struggle of because that that problem does not exist in the juggling world which is crazy because both worlds have very expensive props uh mm-hmm. that are like really pr- very specific communities really high quality mm-hmm. um and yet jugglers will buy a set of clubs or balls they will use them until they are worn to the ground they'll use them over any surface they'll ding them up and they'll keep them for like 50 years there's people that you see at juggling conventions that are professionals that have been doing this a whole life mm-hmm. and you look at their clubs and there's like mylar peeling off of the club and it looks terrible and it's all scratched up and the knobs are like chipping out and it's like a total mess and if you looked at a yo-yo's case and you saw that you'd go oh this guy sucks but imagine and and usually you would be right these days but imagine a world where you see that and you go oh this guy really doesn't care he's yeah. been spending so long just focusing on his yo-yoing uh yeah no and, I, and I, actually for what it's worth i do or find, her or their yo-yoing excuse me when i see a pristine yo-yo case with like a lot of expensive yo-yoers i i usually think of like the the dude that's got a lot of disposable income that has just like gone through yeah. like a massive thing and it doesn't actually yo-yo that much um yeah. but I mean, to to play devil's advocate here, I, I get it why people like to have pristine yo-yos because I think yo-yos themselves have resale value. And if you ding a yo-yo, like that resale value goes down and you like lose a lot of money. So I, I get it. I understand if you put on the creator cap, oh, but sorry, not the creator, the, the collector cap. It I get it why people are so pedantic about these things. It's just, I'm not one of them. So I don't, I don't think about that a whole lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think that, uh, so this is something that I love RecRo for is that every yo-yo that they seem to put out seem to be really good for everything. It's part of the mm-hmm. reason I love the Freak Wave so much is that like 
It does all of the grinds. It spins forever. It's big, like just does everything. I, I know I could say this and somebody else go, oh, this other yo-yo does all the things yeah, I yeah, want yeah. it to do. But yeah, it just, yeah. there is there is no trick I can think of that this can't do except mm. for thumb grinds. It doesn't have an IGR. So right. there you go. I've already disproven my point. But for me, like my point is spend less time, spend less money buying yo-yos, spend more time trying as many yo-yos as you can, finding the ones that you really, really like, and then buy a couple of those and keep them forever. Yeah. Rather than focusing on collecting because there's a collecting mindset that you can get into where you just end up with all these different yo-yos. And sure, you do get kind of a, a kick out of getting it different yo-yos will make you try different styles so there is that it is good to have some variety but like mm. in my the way that i've always done it is you have like the core one that you play a lot so when i find that one i buy two or three of those and then i, mm -hmm. I just always have one with me when i need it yeah it's sort of a, you know i it's interesting man and i don't want to sound like hypocritical here but like <laughs> You know, it's funny whenever I'm like, oh, don't worry, man, you can ding your yo-yos. It doesn't matter. There's always like one dude in the YouTube comments like, well, easy for you to say like douchebag, like you own a freaking yo-yo company. You can get as many as you want. Um, and I will say, man, that like there is that, like I'm not here to like I'm not here to tell anyone how to like play with their yo-yo. You guys can do what you want. Um, so if you're a collector and that's what like sets you up and makes you like really excited to do it, like more power to you but i think um yeah i think that there's become a wave of like yo-yo players that just don't yo-yo a whole lot and um i don't know i'd, I'd like to see that trend shift but that's all yeah. i have to say on that it it comes down to intention because collecting can be an art but yeah. if you're trying to be the best yo-yo in the world and you think that you're going to get there by buying the newest yo-yo just because like, especially yeah. if you grew up in Australia and you're just seeing uh, like Yo-Yo Joe uploading review after review after review. And you're like, oh, this is what Yo-Yoers do. They buy a bunch of Yo-Yos. Then yeah. like that, I'll break if there's one person listening who's <laughs> thinking that that's true. Uh, yeah. It's not. Yeah. Uh, oh man, cool. So, so yeah, no, definitely. I agree with uh, not caring about vibe but instead focusing on learning. Mm -hmm. Definitely agree with you there. Um, you also talked about, and this is something I think that you've successfully done, um, leveraging social media to build to build clout in the yo-yo world. <laughs> to build clout in the yo-yo world. Uh, okay, yeah. So this is something that I would... Okay, so in our little yo-yo world, the way it used to work is that you get... Uh, you, you practice with your yo-yo, you, you, you play with your yo-yo tricks, and you then get to a certain level of competitive proficiency, you win a big contest, all of a sudden a yo-yo company recognizes you and then you get sponsored by the company and depending on how you go, like th that's your kind of like yo-yo career journey. And within that framework, the only tools you have to leverage to make yourself a desirable candidate for sponsorship is yo-yoing ability and competitive rankings yeah. um which is great but the problem is that there can only be one winner and it's a competitive yo-yo landscape out there so like the question i always ask is like well ultimately what yo-yo companies want is they want someone 
who has influence within the yo-yo community, who people look up to as a thought leader and who people want to emulate. And yes, you can achieve that by winning contests, but you can also achieve that by posting to social media. And like, I think this is a very underappreciated side of how to stand out in the yo-yo world. Like, it's funny, when I was first getting started onto YouTube and I was like posting YouTube videos and I was like posting all these trick videos, people like, oh my God, Brandon's so cool, right? Like, yo-yo videos are where it's at. And then Instagram blows up. And then like, all of a sudden, like, there's this new wave of kids that like start posting trick circles and the existing yo like these short like Instagram clips of like yo-yoers and like these established players like well you know that's not the real yo-yoing like you, you gotta edit it together in like a trick montage <laughs> yeah. and they didn't do the whole trick circle thing and the kids that blew up on trick circles like players like polo players like uh you you know polo right the the tie champion like there were so yeah. many players that like killed the tiktok uh killed the instagram format and got the notoriety got the sponsorships and and they crushed it in the yo-yo world and then like those same kids are now old salty you know like teenagers or like 20s and they're hating on the tiktok kids because the TikTok yep. kids are like going out there and like they're, you know, making really nice YouTube, like TikTok videos, they're getting an audience and they're the ones getting the sponsorship. And it's like, if you don't understand how to leverage social media, you will constantly be one step behind in this yo-yo world. And it's a shame, but I think that is something that you can add to your tool belt other than just winning the contest. Um, that's probably what I would say. I think there's something that we all kind of forget because these social media cycles tend to last like 10 years which is that every platform is cringy at first every platform no one Facebook. wants to be on it <laughs> yeah youtube was for cat videos now people make yeah. like you know like this most like the most beautiful profound content on it so i think like and like this is a rabbit hole that i love to rant on but i'm not going to because it's very boring but like so many people are like hating on the yo-yo tiktokers i get a lot of hate for it as well and uh, not going to lie, I, I, I really enjoy hate comments because um, in a weird masochistic sense, I like rebelling against expectations. That's just me. But also when you're getting hated upon, it means that you're doing something that it, it, it can mean sometimes you're just being like a douchebag and you deserve to get hated on. But sometimes it means that what you're doing isn't largely understood by the masses yet and if it's not largely understood that means if you're getting hated on you're ahead of the curve and if you're ahead of the curve that's a good place to be like dude like there are people who are hating on like tiktokers right now that like in three years time they're going to be making tiktoks and by then it's too late buddy like you can't do it at that point because it's like it's been played out the DNA has been done 50 million times, like Godspeed, it's over, like the trains, you miss the train, right? And if you don't have those hate comments, it means it's too late. Um, so that's, that's one of the reasons why I, I look to hate comments as like an indicator that I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of this, this pack so far. So that's how I kind of like think about it. 
Yeah, no, I don't get hate comments, but I have been. That's the problem, man. Like coattails of every like. Yeah, but but I really unless you're getting hate, and unless people are saying like, "Yo, this is cringe," it means that you're not you're not on the cutting edge of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I but like, for me, I only ever did Instagram. Now I'm doing podcasts. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a podcast. Everybody has an Instagram. I, I I'm I'm like the the old grandpa of these two platforms, uh, and I am not I'm I I think it's already too late for me to do TikTok. I tried it for a little no, bit. No 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 no. Now this is the big mistake. It's not too late to do TikTok. It's not. Okay. It's not. Um, it the it's like there's always room for like like dude TikTok is new. I think TikTok's gonna be around for like the next at least two years until it matures. Mm-hmm. And I think any yo-yo player that is listening to this and thinks it's too late, it's, it's not too late. Like you, you can jump in on it. But well, I real quick, I just mean the way that, that uh, filming has to happen for that does not, and the way that the platform is, and I literally am looking to appeal to yo-yoers rather than the general public, so the way that I am, I think that that my goals don't align with what the platform is right now. That for me, it's okay to be riding those coattails because I want to sort of stay in the underground of the yo-yo world. Okay, yeah, I mean, if you want, yeah, if you but want to I stay- do agree with you. For it's it's it is not too late <laughs> for anybody yeah. else who wants to to get huge there. Yeah, but it's also it's also a matter of like understanding that um, like social media moves in waves and the people that adopt it first have an advantage. Yeah. Um, but like, man, like just like what what I will say is that, OK, this is probably the more important thing. If your content's good enough, it will blow up. Um, that's just the reality of it. I thought my YouTube channel was dead and like, I, I couldn't grow on YouTube anymore. And it was like, my time was up, but that wasn't true. It was just my content sucked. And yes, YouTube has become more competitive and yes, you can't just upload lame, you know, yo-yo reviews anymore to get like to, to pull views, but that's indicative of the quality of the content and not like it being too late. It's not too late to be a YouTuber. You just need to have like really good content. There's another thing that I think uh, anybody who's posting on these platforms, which a lot of yo-yoers are, have to realize, which is that you can feel stuck at every level. Um, Like Mm. I felt stuck at 1500 followers. I was trapped there. I felt like I could never get another follower. And uh, I finally started breaking through that. Uh, And for you, you felt stuck at 30,000 followers or subscribers (laughs) on YouTube and like, to feel stuck there to me is like I've I'm never going to get a thousand subscribers on YouTube, possibly unless I start doing this full time. But uh, like, just for people to realize, Mr. Beast might feel stuck at the subscriber count that he is currently at. Yeah, yeah. and that is just a a fact of the of, of where it is. Is that growth is always difficult, and there's always a next level to break through. And mm. you're you're really not going to be able to stop needing to to put in the work to climb. 
Yeah, yeah. And for what it's worth, man, I feel stuck at whatever my YouTube count is at right now. Um, Which, so, by the way, congrats on 300,000. Oh, yeah, thank you. It's, it's coincidental, actually, that we're at 10x30, which is where I was stuck on for so long. Yeah. Um, but, but like, kind of back to that point is that um, you can't, like, what, what I've realized is that you can't, there's, there's never a point of making it. You never feel safe. And like, in all honesty, like everyone's like look on the outside looking and it's like, oh yeah, Brandon, he's made it like 300K. It's like, and inside I'm like, oh man, this is going to like go away in like four seconds if I don't consistently reinvent myself. So like, that's, that's the path of like the YouTube grind and, and I love it and that's why I'm in it. Um, but there's like no making it it's just yeah. a there are channels with like millions of subscribers that can that don't pull views anymore and that's just indicative of not reinventing yourself and not constantly staying at the forefront of, of what people want it's crazy that we when the concept of celebrity got democratized by platforms like <laughs> youtube yeah like everything that comes with being a celebrity is now also democratized. So we're going to have like uh like wash up washed up celebrities from YouTube in five years. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it all and of that tough. will come. Because it's like, but it also in like a lame way, like you can you can post like yeah, but I, 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 I'm, I don't know. I'm an optimist about this. I do like mm -hmm. the fact that anyone can be a celebrity and that's kind of, yeah. um, I don't know. I'm, I'm but wildly optimistic about I that. forgot the second half, the optimistic half of what I was, what I meant to say, yeah. I totally forgot to say, which is all of those celebrities have uh, publicists whose job it is to keep reinventing them and keep making different phases to their career and, and to keep up with the times. So like to avoid that, there, there is work to be done to, to make mm -hmm. sure that, that you're staying ahead of that. Which yeah, like, yeah, sure. Look at Mr. Beast versus Epic Meal Time, for example. Yeah, and like, look, people fall off all the time and yeah. it's, it's understandable, man. Like the YouTube grind is, is very, uh, very hands-on and it's very demanding. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Damn, that's... Awesome. So <laughs> I love how this point started on leveraging social media to build clout in yo-yoing. Yeah. Yeah, talking about, <laughs> about this. So um, you, you defined yourself earlier in the episode as a competitive yo-yoer. Mm -hmm. And to me, I'm like, you are a content creator like i look at i think brandon view and i'm like oh yeah he's the guy he's got the camera and he's he's got the youtube channel so to me there's like a clash there so could you mm -hmm. kind of go into what that is yeah this is something i'm i'm thinking a lot about recently which is i uh so okay this is gonna be uh, i'm gonna like trying to answer this question like anecdotally so i had this moment of crisis when I was in the midst of like my nine to five corporate grind mm -hmm. and I was profoundly miserable and I desperately wanted a way out. 
I, I wanted to do anything but that job. And I was just like, man, what am I going to do? And I realized at that point that um, the only thing I had ever excelled in uh, was probably yo-yoing. And it was like a very, very small level of success. And I was just like, okay, well, obviously, you know, that's not going to work. Like 30,000 people is not going to like work. So I just decided that like, all right, I'm going to like leave this yo-yo thing behind forever. And I'm just going to like do something else. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I had no idea what I was going to do, but I was like, I'm just leave this yo-yo thing behind. I'm going to do something else. And I was driving to work one day and it's like the most cliche picturesque kind of thing. I was like just driving there thinking about my life and how I wanted to escape this job. And I realized at that point that I had a lot of unfinished business in like the world of yo-yoing, which was that I really, <laughs> I really wanted to make an impact. And I really, no, that's, that's a lie. I really wanted to see what my potential was in the world of yo-yoing. And I'd always felt as if I really enjoyed the competitive aspect of yo-yoing. I love the feeling of like, you know, yo-yoing for like three, four, five hours, feeling the string burn and landing that stupid trick a hundred times. And I always felt as if um, my, uh, my drive as a competitive yo-yo player was stifled by everything else I had to do. It was always do your homework first and then you can play with your yo-yo. Finish your like accounting uni exam, then you can play with the yo-yo. Do this like corporate nine to five job that you hate, then you can play with the yo-yo, right? And I'd always felt as if I'd never really articulated my potential in the yo-yo world. Mm -hmm. So I realized at that moment, if I left it was going to be, uh, if I left, I would always have this regret. It's like, how good, how good could I have gone? Like, how far could I have been? Could I have done such and such? So I'm on this car ride and I'm like, man, I need to win worlds. <laughs> or at the very least, I need to give my absolute balls to the wall 100% effort to win worlds and I was like all right so I knew that like I was being called to do this I knew I had to do it or at least I had to try and that was the question that then became okay well how do I make this sustainable obviously I can't win worlds if I'm doing this whole nine to five thing I can't win worlds if I'm like so that was where this idea of like building a career primarily around yo-yoing began and then that's where this idea of like okay well i'm a pretty i understand this whole content game sometimes so if i create uh a yo-yo youtube channel maybe i might be able to make just enough money to like do this full time and then i can practice and then it's going to be great so ironically it was my drive to try to win worlds, which I'm still in the process of. And anyone who knows competitive yo-yoing knows what an outlandish claim that is. Yeah. Like Brandon Vu winning worlds. It's like, I don't know. It's like Mr. Bean running for president. Like it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> but, um, but, but that is the anchor as to which everything is kind of is, is hinging on right now. Because I don't know if I would be such an impassioned creator if I wasn't still madly, deeply invested in my yo-yoing ability. 
Um, so my yo-yoing ability is still something that I, I, I value that I'm constantly trying to develop and that, uh, at the end of the day matters to me. So, so that's kind of where we're at. So it's like, I'm a constant, I can be a yo-yo content creator because I'm still deeply passionate about yo-yos. That's great. And it's something that, uh, I think we're going to need if we want to move forward as a community is people who are confident enough to leave their jobs, which perhaps isn't going to be able to happen to everybody. Yeah. I think that uh, it's, it's not going like not everyone's going to be able to win worlds and, or even to be able to use that as the drive to, to keep them going, to keep creating content or selling yo-yos um but i do know that like if we want to progress as a community we can't have a bunch of people we can't have a community where 24 is the oldest like yeah we are ancient in yo-yo years and it's because you can't really do this as more than a hobby it has to be able to be a viable um uh like career option and in magic there's performers and i think in yo-yoing there can be there just Mm -hmm. has to be people who blaze those trails uh, and that would be something that a lot more people could do um but then also as like yo-yo designers and stuff anyway the point being i think anybody can find their thing to drive them which in your case is uh winning worlds which i think is like part of why you keep putting you're able to put in that time to keep practicing and to keep creating content around it because you know that you need to have all that time uh, or else you won't be put, be able to fulfill that uh, promise to yourself of putting in that genuine effort. Yeah. I think everybody's got to find what it is that is if they want to quit their job, which I do not (laughs) condone anybody quitting their job after hearing this episode. Uh, So don't blame me for your poor (laughs) life decisions. If those, if you happen to make those. uh, Yeah. Which yeah, that's also yeah, not to I, say that you're making poor life decisions. No, <laughs> you, well, you know your situation. Like, there's there's a reality where like like so much of what I did hinged on like luck, and and like yeah, I like I I put in the hours. I put in like a, yeah. a decent amount of time to like to get this. But like at the end of the day, there is still luck involved, and I think I don't want to like underscore that. I mean, I don't want to like you know obscure that fact. Like, I didn't know I was gonna go freaking viral. Like, I thought like. I, okay, I tried to like artificially create it, but I failed a lot as well. Like no one talks about the time where like, I tried to yo-yo for 24 hours straight and I got like 10,000 views. Like that was, a, that was designed to have like 10 million views and it didn't work. Yeah. Like I tried to like rock the baby a hundred thousand times and like get that to go viral, but it didn't work. I tried to yo-yo in the desert for like 24 hours. Like these are all failed moments and I think like if you just keep swinging the probability is is that sometimes you might hit on one but at the end of the day nothing is a foregone um conclusion but I think and this is where I'm kind of tying this up is that when I realized that I was deeply miserable and I wanted to do something with my life uh that just wasn't this corporate job I felt as if And this is when I was like, I want to win worlds, but it wasn't like, I want to win worlds because I just want to win worlds. It was like, 
I feel as if I don't have a choice. If I don't give greater expression to this feeling, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. And do you know how inconvenient that is? Like, I wish the little <laughs> voice inside my head was like, hey, man, like, you should go to like, become a hedge fund manager and make bank as like an investment. Do you know how much more easy that would be than try to like do it in a competitive yo-yoing environment? But I think like, that was what like people say, follow your passion. And in that moment, I knew what I had to do. It's just whether I had the courage and wherewithal to actually give greater expression to it. There, there's a thought I had earlier, which falls right in line with that, which is the, the best way I can put it is like, when I show a kid a yo-yo and I like teach them their first bind, I almost feel like a siren calling the, the sailors <laughs> to the shore that I'm like, what if this is going to stop someone from curing cancer? Like, what if, <laughs> what if I have just added a distraction to this person's life and given them something that is a beautiful art form and has all this incredible potential and, and can be so much growth, but also is such a time sink. <laughs> um which you know maybe if it's not that it would would have ended up being something else but like what do you think about that it is this adding that inconvenient thing or do you think that the people who are going to be drawn to it are going to find it anyway or something else i think that most people are chasing things that they don't intrinsically want that is what Mm -hmm. i would say and i would almost argue for the, the well okay so like my dad was like hey brandon you should go into accounting it's gonna be great you know you're gonna like rock up in a nice suit you can go into investment banking you can you can do this brandon you're a sociable guy like do it right so i go into like uni guns blazing and i i cannot tell you ross how much i hate accounting like when <laughs> ai comes and like wipes it out of existence. I will, I will celebrate that day because I like screw accounting. Like anyone who's an accountant, like you, you do, like you, I have so much respect for the work that you do. I cannot do it. Um, and I hated it with every fiber of my being. But I, I studied the accounting. I like, I went out of it, and by the end of my degree, I was so profoundly miserable. I thought that I was so lazy that like. I wasn't going to amount to anything in life because uh-huh. I was chasing this like accounting degree. Yeah. And I think that like most people are chasing something that they just don't want to be chasing. And that's where all of the misery comes. So like when you find that thing where you're like, I'm passionate about this, I ha- it may seem nerdy or goofy or childish to some other people, but I intrinsically feel as if I want to do this thing. Like you, I would, I would say, listen to that voice because not full, not following that is like a detriment to you. And it's also a detriment to what you are meant to build out of that, like that calling. So I don't know. It's a little deep to kind of get into that, but that's how I think about it. Man, that is, that is such a, that's a really good topic. I think that's something that can appeal to anybody, like not just yo-yoers. It's a, it's just that that concept of finding whatever your passion is and chasing after that. Sorry, I yeah. have to go grab my dog or else he's going to start whining. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I have this is my passion. Oh, he's adorable. Oh yeah, his, this is Jack. Um <laughs> anyway, 
uh that's such a such an important thing for people to, i think eventually people will like if you don't learn it you're gonna find it out from experience that if you're not chasing what you actually want to be doing then you're it's not sustainable um yeah it's just, or, it's just not something you can or i i think people can get away with doing something that they intrinsically hate but that's where all these like terrible vices start to come out. So I remember when I was like working my corporate job, like I would go get blazed at like, you know, the weekends, I would go out, I'll go clubbing. I would do anything to distract myself from the mundane rat race that became my life. And you can get away with that, you know, for a while until, you know, the voice becomes too loud and you eventually crumble. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty deep topic, probably beyond the scope of a yo-yo podcast, but like, yeah. that's when, when I say like, I want to win worlds, even though it's inconvenient, what I mean is that like, I figured out what my passion is and it's not as glamorous and shiny as like some <laughs> other people's passions, but I am pursuing it for better or for worse, because that's what it feels like in my soul. I have to do. We are that robot in that Rick and Morty episode that, <laughs> that moves the salt and pepper shaker or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> we go, oh, God damn it. That's all my purpose is to yo-yo. Uh, anyway, um, but hey, it's a pure calling and it's artistic expression. So do it to the best yeah. of your ability. <laughs> um, one last thing I want to hit on before the conclusion and also <laughs> before my dog starts barking when my mom comes home and I have to pause the recording is yeah, yeah. you walked a mile no sorry you walked a marathon <laughs> i was just off by a factor of like 20 something uh yeah with evan nagao uh <laughs> in, in through the streets of la while walking the dog um what happened there what okay. was that uh -huh. about all right, this is this is going to be an exclusive scoop for this podcast. So uh, okay. if anyone ever asks me where that video is, okay. So I I really wanted to like level up my content, and I I do see myself sometimes as trying to be the Mr. Beast of Yo-Yos. I don't always succeed. In fact, I often fail at trying to achieve that. But I thought it'd be a cool idea to walk the dog for like an entire marathon. Um, and for those of you who don't know, a marathon is 26.2 miles, which equates to roughly 42 kilometers. It's a, it's a tough run. Um, most people like run that, write books about it. And like, yeah, it's a, but like, I was like, what if you walked the dog for like in 26.2 miles? So I did it. Uh, it, for what it's worth, Evan, he's crazy. He wanted to do hundred miles. And I was like, no, 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 this is crazy. All right. So we did 26.2 miles and it was a grind, man. Like we went through it and we had like yo-yo factory gave us these like slimline confusion titanium yo, so it would spark all the way and we walked and walked and it was like a, just a, a brutal day. And then we went back and we looked at like all of the footage and like there's some instances where like the footage isn't like there's no audio recording and we i don't think with the raw footage we shot we're going to be able to like make a banger video out of that so like i'm going to do it again and uh, <laughs> we're going to reshoot it properly and we're going to make it good and we're going to do it one more time um i don't know if evan's down to do it one more time he'd probably be down um evan's like crazy but um yeah like i think like that video has potential but it needs to be executed right because at the end of the day execution only execution matters and um 
Yeah, so uh, stay tuned as I walk the dog a second time for 26.2 miles. Oh man, I feel like <laughs> I feel like you're on you're on your way to cumulatively walking 100 miles. While walking <laughs> yeah, the dog. basically. Yeah, so maybe Evan's idea wasn't like too far fetched. Yeah, what if he's been sabotaging your footage? <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He'll maybe. Get you there eventually. Oh maybe. man. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, I can't wait to eventually see that video once yeah. it gets reshot. I, uh, I'm, I'm dreading it, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll never reshoot that video, but I do want to put that video <laughs> out one day. We'll see. So I want to hit on kind of uh, this conclusion of, uh, I call it the takeaway. Um, mm-hmm. Really, Jonah Babbins from Discourse and Magic, which is a great podcast that everyone should go listen to because this show was based on that show uh is the takeaway which is what is uh one single point one point that we talked about that if somebody that that you think kind of sums up not necessarily sums up but like one major point that you think would be very important that if someone listened to nothing else they knew that point what would that point be for you um oh man gosh we, we covered a lot of ground yeah <laughs> in this podcast um i would say that the singular point that i've had to learn in probably the last year that i didn't but i probably i probably intellectually understood it but i didn't really like emotionally internalize the idea was that in order to have, in order to like attain a real success, you have to sometimes place a failure on that table as well. So like, it's kind of like, a, it's the notion of like burning the bridges. And I don't, I'm not saying this to be like, you know, uh, like encouraging people to be irresponsible or encouraging people to make, you know, big gambles with their life. But I would say that like, I was never able to pull off any of what I've done to this point without the fear of like a cataclysmic failure uh-huh. had I not done it. So like, that's probably the main thing that if no one else, like sometimes, man, you just got to take the leap. <laughs> yeah. And it almost seems like you were right. You didn't ever have the time to fully commit to yo-yoing. And then once you did, you committed and it paid off. So mm. even if you don't end up winning worlds, you still now have a very sizable YouTube channel and you still now have all those followers who you didn't before. And that in itself, I'd say is like major, major props to you for that. Yeah, well, uh, thank you, man. And it, it does feel surreal to kind of be on like, I will say like a, a winning season of this journey. Cause I, I foresee there's going to be cataclysmic destruction. Like it's just too, <laughs> like it's too long a game to like keep on this trajectory and keep winning. But um, I think that I'm a man of extremes. I'm, I'm not a guy that does uh, that does balance or moderation. Well, I'm working on it. So I can't be that guy that like, oh yeah, you just need a little bit of that and do it each day. I'm like, 
either the laziest person in the entire world and just existing, or I am like trying to hustle for something unrealistic and improbabilistic. And I think trying to be at the balance has made me shift into the other way. So like, if I just crank the lever all the way there, I found that it's, it's a lot more satisfying to live that way. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, man, that's great. <laughs> I can tell you're a man <laughs> of extremes by the uh, doing a, just doing Ironmans after quitting your job. Yeah, God, that, that, that's me being a little drama queen. Like that was <laughs> me being like, oh, I quit my job. It's so terrible. I need to do something masochistic to remind myself of who I am. But like, yeah, I, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, one little thing I wanted to hit on, uh, one takeaway point for me, I'd say I really, really liked the, I mean, there, we could hit on so many good things, but I loved the idea of bringing a character in and and mm -hmm. really thinking through what your character is whether it's just a a blown out version of yourself or um taking on a, uh, a, a an actual like fake assembled created character uh yeah either of those but being aware that as soon as you're on stage you are a character and knowing a little bit about what it is to be a character and how to play those and how to play to those traits um I think yo-yoers could really think about as far as like knowing theory of performance. That's something. To yeah. Really look into. Yeah. And if I could like touch on that a little bit, I think in recent years, people are afraid of characters a little bit because we live in a time where authenticity is very highly valued where they're like, is that the real Brandon when he's in the vlogs? And like, the truth of the matter is, is that no, not really. It's, it's a formalized version of who I am. It's like me tidying up my apartment when I see guests come in, right? Like sometimes your authentic self is a little bit sloppy and it doesn't really, um, it doesn't really uh, pronounce yet the story as well as it could be. So I, I do think characters have their place and I don't think you should ever try to be someone you're not. But I think characters are a... A, a very important part of storytelling and it's something I've leveraged to uh to entertain my audience and you know maybe you should give it a shot as well yeah definitely um next thing I want to hit on is any plugs that you have any plugs uh I would say I'm currently working on and this is this might be pretty far away is I'm, I'm working on my own yo-yo string um Ooh. So I've, I have pretty clear opinions on what I think a good yo-yo string should be. So I'm probably, that's probably going to be coming out soon. I don't really have anything else uh, to say about it right now because it's still in the developmental phase, but that's probably the only thing I like to plug. And, um, and thank you for having me on this podcast, man. It's been really, really fun. Oh, we're not, we're not quite done yet. Oh, we're uh, not. Oh, still, oh, okay. Well, there's still more. Okay. Uh, first of all, little plug for your YouTube channel. You can find Brandon Vu on YouTube, obviously. And yeah. Uh, offsetyoyo.com, right? Yeah, yes, that's the company. Yes, yeah, that's where yeah, yeah. And well, this yeah, is yeah. the last thing: is the endless chain. Uh, uh, who is somebody that you think would be great for this podcast? Who you could put me in touch with, um, and who hasn't ooh. been on the show before? Ah, that hasn't yes. been on the show before. Okay, who's ooh? Uh, who would be good? Um, uh, have you spoken to Gentry? No, but I would love to. Yeah. Um, I, my problem, probably, 
it's fun. This is insulting to all of the guests, but I, <laughs> I would probably say my, my few people have impacted me and the shape of my, I suppose, career as much as Gentry Stein has. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I'd, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend you reach out to him and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send him a little message. Yeah, that'd be an all right guest to have. Yeah. <laughs> no, that would be incredible. That, I, I would love to have that happen. And with that, we'll we'll go rewind uh, three minutes. Thank you so much for being on the show. Dude, this is great. This is great, man. Um, I've, I've really had an amazing time on this podcast. It's lit. Yes. Oh, man. I can't wait for people to hear this. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sweet. Thank you, man.